Live from Utrecht, this is the fan William Shortenado. Yes, podcast. Yes, I'm very happy we're not actually doing this live. Yeah, indeed. I just killed my laptop, apparently, <laughs> it seemed like. You may have uh, killed we were it. We yeah. recording this podcast, and then I dropped a glass of water on my laptop, and now it's not working anymore at all. Which means we're not sure if the first half of this recording was there or not, so we're just going to do it again. Let's start over. So this better be awesome. We were doing great. We were doing... This was... We're never going to beat what we did, but that was... Um, that, yeah, that was an amazing podcast. Maybe that one day we'll sell... Um, well, maybe one day we're going to sell it on DVD, that, that first 15 minutes, you know, with manually signed, and you can buy it, but... Uh, if we ever recover my uh, hard, hard drive? Eh, it should be possible. All right. Yeah. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Still in I'm, a... I'm still slightly in shock, but uh, I think I'll... Uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. We can do this podcast now. I think so. And we've practiced this podcast three or four times now, so I yeah, think... So we moved inside this time. Yep. We, a, we were getting a lot of complaints for, uh, for background noise, we, noise, I guess, rightfully so. We were inside because of Corona. That was sort of the reason we were inside, right? We were outside because of Corona. Uh, I, that's what I mean. Exactly. We wanted so to be in the fresh air. Uh, now we are risking our lives, although the windows are open. and uh, Risking our lives for you, dear listener. That's right. So, you better enjoy. Indeed. Okay, what we're, do gonna, we wanna... we're gonna discuss Taproot today. We're gonna dive head first into technical topics, I guess. Well, it's the second episode, but uh, Taproot is one of the biggest technical projects in development today for Bitcoin. Um, this week, there was a lot of discussion about Taproot activation. How are we gonna activate this thing? If we're gonna activate it, mm -hmm. we're not actually gonna get into that this episode. This episode, we're gonna get into Taproot itself first so yeah. what is it why is it interesting what does it do uh, i wrote about taproot myself at one point for bitcoin magazine uh, when i wrote about bitcoin uh, when i wrote about taproot i sort of cut it into several pieces to make it sort of um easy to understand i think yeah at least it seemed to sort of work people seem to like that article so we're gonna do something similar for this podcast we're sort of gonna cut taproot into couple of different parts and then hopefully that will make it clear why it's uh, why it works as a whole all right right are you good to go i'm ready what's part one part one part one is pay to script hash okay to h which was uh itself a protocol upgrade which activated on bitcoin i'm pretty sure it was 2012 so let's get into what it is do you want to Take a lead. Yes, I will. Um, okay, so when you receive, when you want to receive Bitcoin, um, you you tell the other person how to send that Bitcoin, and you do that by adding some constraints. Right, which sounds like which sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. It's an awesome thing. Constraints are great. So basically, people tend to think about a wallet, and it's not really a well chosen word. Because it's, it's, it's like a wallet, but everybody can touch whatever is inside your wallet. And so the constraint that people tend to add is only I can spend these coins. Right. Which, it, it, or to be more precise, these coins can only be spent if it includes, if the transaction includes a signature that's made with this specific public key. Right. So what you do is you tell the other person, here's my public key or the hash of the public key, but 
and um, and put that on the blockchain with the note on it that only the owner of that public key can spend it. And that's what you mean by sending to me. So you're not really sending me a file or anything. You're just publishing something on the blockchain that says whoever has this public key can now spend these coins. And right. that happens to be the recipient's public key. Right. So that's a very common type of constraint. But yep. there are all sorts of other types of constraints, for example. Right. Because this constraint is expressed as a script. And a script can say a lot of different things. It could also say, well, I can spend this, but my mom also needs to sign it. But after 35 years, um, maybe I can sign it alone. Yeah, so, there, so it's possible to send Bitcoins to someone or to put it differently, to receive Bitcoins and do this under certain constraints and this can be multiple constraints. Yes. So either me and my mom have to sign it or I can send it alone after 35 years yep. or my mom can sign it alone, can spend it alone if she has some sort of secret, yep. you know, which I could put in my will or I'm just sort of thinking out loud here, but you can have s several different constraints Yep. And if you want to spend the money, you only need to fulfill one of these constraints. And you can sort of pick one, and that's the one you publish. Yeah. That's the one that the blockchain and the world will recognize as all right. right. That's but, the one he's using out of several that he could have used. Yeah. But to go back to why script hash, because it's paid to script hash, not paid to script. If I want to send if I want to receive coins from you, I would have to tell you exactly what script to use. And it's kind of weird because now I'm telling you how I want to spend my coins. And yeah. if this was put in an address, it'd be a very long address. Yes, and not only how you want to spend your coins, but all the different ways in which your coins could potentially be spent, yeah. even if you don't use them. Yes, but and so the idea is now instead of sending to an uh, to the script, you send to the hash of the script. So I'm giving you're giving me as because you want money from me, you're giving me the hash of your script, which is always the same length and happens to be the same length of a normal address. So the address will start with a three rather than a one but otherwise they will look it looks kind of the same and for you you just copy paste it uh put it in your bitcoin wallet sent money to it and it works now when i want to spend that money uh, now i need to reveal the actual script but that's my wallet that has to do that so i don't have to bother anyone else with the complexity of of remembering what the script was and and correctly sending to it yes yeah i was skipping ahead one one step just now but yeah that's the point we're trying to explain here is that if you receive money you only got to share a hash the person that's sending you doesn't need to care what this hash actually hides. Right. And then only when you spend the coins do you need to reveal the different ways in which you could have spent it or the single yeah. way in which you could have spent it, whatever. And so from a privacy point of view, that's that's much better than immediately putting the script on the chain. But it is still unfortunate that when you're spending, um, you have to reveal all these other options. Because maybe I'd rather not reveal the world what my backup plan was. Right, that's the, that's the step I was sort of skipping ahead yeah. to, which is, yes, if you are spending the coins alone after 35 years, then their whole world doesn't need to know that you could have also spent it with your mom. Like, why do they need to know that? They, there's yeah. no reason for them to know that. And much more importantly, if I could have spent it, uh, if I spent it with my mom, the whole world should not have known that they could have, you know, waited 35 years and stolen it. By kidnapping you or something whatever yeah, yeah okay so the point is anyways like regardless of specific examples the point is once you spend money you only you should only have to reveal the solution you're using not all of the other options okay now if only there was a way to do that <laughs> if only sure i don't 
That, wouldn't that be great? Tell us about this amazing invention. So, for the past couple of years, this has been in the works for a couple of years. You want to get to Mast, right? Exactly. Yes, we want to get to Mast. So, for a couple of years, there was this idea called Mast, which stands for Merkleized Abstract Syntax Tree. That's right. Merkleized Abstract Syntax Tree. Perfect. This is essentially a Merkle tree of, well, of hashes and therefore of the different ways to spend cash uh spend bitcoin so off the scripts so a miracle tree are you gonna explain it or should i uh i'll explain it once and then you'll correct my explanation because <laughs> okay, it's good. it's kind of hard to wrap okay, your head around yeah, it but but the idea is that it's basically just you could see it as a list there might be eight conditions but instead of you don't want to show all eight of those conditions so what you do is you group them in a tree you put well eight of them at the bottom then you put um each of them you combine them so then you have four and you each of those four you combine them, so you have two, and then you combine those two and you have one. So that's your your pyramid. Yes, and, and by combine you mean hash. You hash so exactly. You have hashes already of the scripts. Yeah. Of the of the solutions to uh, of of the conditions to spend your coins. These yeah. are hashed, and then you bundle each of the eight hashes in this example into couples. So now you have four couples of hashes, yeah. and these are themselves hashed. So now you have four hashes. Yep. These are coupled, so and then they are hashed, so then you have two hashes, and these are coupled and hashed. Yep. Well, they're coupled, it's two left, so that, that's one yep. couple. You hash them, and they have one hash left. And this is the hash you share, and that's where the coins are spent to. Right. So and, in this and case, the coins are sort of spent to this hash tree, a Merkle tree. Yeah, and basically what you do is when you want to spend it, you say, this is the part of the tree that I want to spend, uh, which could just be a number, and then you give... Um, you give that script plus you give the neighbor script because always they come in pairs and you give a hash of, of every other point in the tree. So if the tree is four high, you need to give four hashes and a script, which is a lot less than all eight of them. Mm -hmm. And you keep everything else secret. So you still prove that you didn't change the script. Yeah. Now, Merkle trees are so, very so common, of course. They're used in blocks too for the blocks themselves. They, they were used for file, uh, file sharing, BitTorrent, all those sort of things. They all have these little chunks. And you can just ask for one chunk, and you know for sure that the chunk is is actually part of the original file and not some made-up thing. Yeah. So if I want to simplify that by quite a bit, then it just means you only reveal the script you care about. You only reveal the scripts that you're using to spend the coins. Yep. The rest remains hashed. And you just add some extra data to prove that it was in that tree somewhere. Yeah, and, and it scales very nicely, so you could have you know millions of scripts potential scripts, but in order to reveal any one of those millions, you don't, you know, you don't need to reveal a lot of extra data. So, Would it literally scale that well, millions? Well, Would the, that be possible? I don't know what the, li there's probably a limit be, to it, but a million is two to the power of 20. Hmm. So that's Doable. 20 layers of the, roughly. Right. So that, so that's, that's still big because you'd have yeah. to reveal 20 times 32 bytes, I think. So that's 600 bytes. So I, you probably don't want to have millions of, of options. But yeah, it's not too bad. Is it doable or not? I don't know. <laughs> you, you'd have to like ask me that before the podcast and I can look up the answer. Or we could pause yeah. again and, and break another computer and, <laughs> and we'll be back. Fair enough. <laughs> Anyways, you can hide a lot of... Um, you can hide a lot of things in there. So it's good for privacy, like we yes. mentioned. And so, yeah, the other thing you're mentioning now is it's good for scale as well. Because yeah. you don't need to include all of the possible scripts into the blockchain. The blockchain is a scarce resource. 
cost a lot of fees to include all of that. Even if you're only including it when spending, you still got to pay all of these fees. Yep. With something like Mast, you can keep the vast majority of it hidden, hidden, makes it much cheaper as well as private. Great. And this could have just been another opcode, so another uh, instruction in the script, which has been debated for quite a while. But in comes magic. Sure, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> If we could hide that we're even using must itself. Exactly. Because there is a so-called, an ultimate condition, which is that everybody agrees. So if everybody agrees, everybody signs, you don't have to reveal that there was a script. Um, yeah, so let's take the example. But how would you do that? Okay, yeah. So let's take the example we just had where you, um, you're receiving coins and it's you and your mom but after 35 years, you can spend it on your own. Right. Or she can spend it if she has some sort of secret that you've put in your will. I don't know, that was something I just made up. Yeah. This means that in this smart contract, because that's essentially what we have here, that's what it's called, there is this option where your mom and, or was it my mom or your mom? Sorry. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> Both are moms. Your mom, your mom <laughs> and yourself are in agreement and both of you agree just let's spend this money so you don't have to wait 35 years and you don't have to uh, include the secret. There's, in most smart contracts, there's, all, there's almost always there is or should be this condition where, okay, everyone who's involved with this smart contract just agrees that let's spend the money. That's right. That's, that's almost always the case or it should be the case. Yeah, almost always. Yeah. Right. So, so are, we, are we skipping... So now, so it would be nice if there was a way to express that, right? It would be nice if you could just not, not show any of these scripts, not show a whole tree, but just show a signature. And the way you would, could do that is by tweaking an existing, uh, is by tweaking a public key. So instead of saying, send this to my public key, you roughly would say, send this to my public key plus my mom's public key plus this uh, masked uh, key. That's kind of um, the uh, so the idea is that you can tweak keys, and it's, it's very oversimplified because cryptography is very subtle. But in theory, you can add up keys, and and then you can also add up signatures, and it kind of looks to the outside world as if it's just a regular signature, and so you can hide a bunch of stuff in there. The problem, however, is that in an ideal world, you can you can just add these signatures, but in practice, we have this quite a difficult signature. Uh, algorithm called ECDSA and yes and there was something before that which is called Schnorr and yes the Mr. Schnorr uh, is a German uh, professor I believe who invented a really nice way to do digital signatures Uh, unfortunately he patented it and so nobody wanted to use it and so a bunch of lawyers basically together with engineers and cryptographers tried to figure out if there was a way to maim Schnorr's algorithm so far that it would legally not fall under the patent, but still kind of work. And that is what is ECDSA. And that got really standardized. You know, the NSA published some, some, some nice numbers for it. And OpenSSL, the uh, cryptographic library that many programs use, which is also maintained, I think, by just one person, um, it, um, it used that. And so when Satoshi, probably when he was working on Bitcoin, he had to pick a curve, a, a cryptographic curve, and he just picked something from OpenSSL, namely ECDSA. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and not Schnorr because he then first of all he knew it was patented or maybe just the patent maybe just ran out. But second, there was just no implementation of it, and it's much easier to just use a library because you're writing your own cryptography is, is really really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever this massive team was that Satoshi supposedly had did not have a cryptographer that could do that. So, so the nice thing about Snore, I guess, if I would put it in one sentence, is that you can perform math on it. Yeah, you can add signatures in Schnorr trivially. Whereas with ECDSA, because of this maiming that they did to get around the patent, you can kind of add signatures if you spend a lot of time and you know you're very careful. But well, it's very complicated. If, if you simplify it a lot, I would say, or this is sort of how it was explained to me, I think, at some point, yeah. simplified a lot. Or maybe I just made this up at some point. That's also possible. Anyways, the sort of simplified example is that a public key plus one would correspond to a private key plus one exactly a signature plus one like you can do math stuffy thingies with it yes and then it still makes sense yeah right well a public key plus another public key and then if it's you if you take a and it can be combined with the private key plus the private key or exactly and, you, and the like, signatures can be added sort of... all of it can be added yeah, yeah. but so not that's... with ecdsa or at least not easily with ECSA, yes, but right. with Snore so it still works. Bitcoin developers have been wanting to add Snore to the protocol anyways. Like yeah. This was a project even before Taproot was thought of. People were thinking of adding Snore because you can do all sort of cool stuff with it. Yeah. And then at some point, Greg Maxwell, the former Bitcoin Core developer, I guess we'll call yeah, him. He's still a Bitcoin Core developer. He still reviews he still code. Contributing? Yeah, yeah. He mostly reviews code, but uh, yeah. He mostly reviews code, but he's right. there. Okay, well, that's I guess that, that's definitely a contributor. Then I thought he was sort of. Um, no, he's not loud on Twitter because he's not on Twitter. But that doesn't mean sure. he's not there. No, I thought he kind of retired or he was just lurking on IRC or something. Anyways, no. that's uh, no, he's so, there. But he, he came up with this idea to use Snore in this very clever way in combination with Mast, and that brings us Taproot. Yes. Right. So basically, because you can add anything to a public key. You can also add a script to a public key because a script is essentially just a number and a private key is essentially just a number. So you can just add numbers. Well, or, yeah, or hash. Well, a hash is a or number a too. Root. And a Merkle root is also just a number. Yes. In fact, everything is a number, but yeah. In Bitcoin, it definitely is. <laughs> so um, I just explain what's cool about this? Yeah, so... So let's say we, we've been taking this example with me and my mom or yeah. you and your mom. Either way, someone and his mom. Yeah. Well, let's simplify that example because that's multi-signature. Let's just say it's just you. Or if you forgot your own key, you can use some sort of secret, which mm-hmm. is a very bad idea. But let's let's say you would do that. Mm-hmm. But if you so, – so your script, your mast would contain two, two options. Mm-hmm. Either it's you, your signature, or it's this secret piece of information that you wrote down somewhere else mm-hmm. without a signature. Like like I said, do not do this, but l- imagine it was that. Sure. If you know your key, if you still have your private key, it's kind of a shame to reveal the fact that you could have revealed the secret number. Right. And so what you can do now is, in Taproot, thanks to Schnorr, you can actually take this ma- mast and hide it inside your public key. And then when you're signing the um, the actual transaction... You are just signing a public key, and you're not even revealing the fact that there is a taproot out there. You're, you're basically just ignoring it because you've you've added uh, you just add the hash to your private key, yes. and you've added the hash to the public key, and nobody needs to know. Yes, for the outside world, there's they they don't see any difference between a tweaked public key and 
right. the original public key. So if you if you've tweaked your public key with this masked structure, it looks the same to the rest of the world. Exactly. If you do want to use this masked structure, you, what you do is instead of revealing the tweaked key, you reveal the original key, and you and and you reveal the script, uh, the both or uh, one of them, which you use to tweak. Yes, and uh, and the, and therefore. You know, the, the the person verifying it can take that script, calculate the hash, uh, calculate the other hash, add it up to the public key. Now they know the they can see that that's the tweak public key, and they can see that the signature is valid for the whole thing. So it's kind of nice. You can you can choose to not reveal anything, not even the tree itself, mm-hmm. or you can reveal any part of the tree. Yes. So this is much better. It's also more space efficient, but it also means that if you're sending coins to somebody, it doesn't matter if you are sending to a single person with just one key, or some super complicated exchange, right. or some other condition, it all looks the same. Or me and my mom. Yes. And I, do want to, I do want to give that example, because just for extra clarity, like if I would accept Bitcoin with my mother with this, using this trick, then yeah. we would combine our public keys. Yes. And then we would also have a mass structure that says, okay, I can... You know, which includes I can spend it after 35 years and my mom can spend it with a secret uh, number. That's all in the mass structure. Yes. Right. So, and we have the Merkle route for that. Yeah. Now, if we want to spend the coin, we both agree. So we just both sign, combine the signature and tweak it with this masked Merkle route. Yeah. And therefore, what we publish to the outside world just looks like a regular signature spending the regular um public key which we which was always public and right. the rest of the world will just think okay well that makes total sense we'll we'll accept that now if my mom can't sign for whatever reason or if i can't sign for whatever reason and she has that secret mm-hmm. then let's take the example where my mom can't sign for any for some reason and five years pass at that point i reveal that it was actually a tweak public key yep. i reveal the tweak i show the world look this hash this this mass structure was hidden under this hash, which I used to tweak, mm-hmm. the rest of the world can look at that and see, yep, that adds up, the math ma- makes total sense, that was what you were always doing, we just mm-hmm. never were able to see it, and yep, 35 years have passed, so you're totally allowed to spend this money now on your own. Exactly, and so that condition is only revealed if you actually use it, and otherwise it would have forever been a secret, unless yeah. somebody hacked your wallet. Exactly, so as long yeah. as my mom is able to sign and I'm able to sign, no one ever needs to know that there were other ways to spend this coin. So that's great for privacy, fungibility. Yeah, and so this tweaking, this, this ability to hide, is, is Schnorr, and the fact that you can have multiple conditions and only reveal one of those conditions, that is masked. Yeah. Uh, but this this magic is combined like Captain Planet, and now you can do all these things. So, but th- this is why yeah, Taproot is a fairly large proposal. What's that, what's that sentence? It was Earth, Wind, Fire, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Captain Planet. So, combining so what all this... What use this for? Is that, the, is that the next point? Or did we forget something? So, people can use this for the complicated scenarios we described. Mm-hmm. Um, there's is a, there there's... anything new that's possible now? Well, one... A couple of things. One is uh, you can do uh, multi-signatures um, without script because you can actually just combine multiple signatures. Right. Uh, but there, and there's some you protocols for that. Different trees, uh, different parts of the tree that which allows different people to. Spread. No, not even the tree. You, even without using the mass structure, the the taproot itself can be one signature, but it can also be a multi-sig, but just an, an n of n multi-sig. Because okay, there, sure. there's just general math right. that you can uh, use to combine signatures. 
and that was sort of possible. It's called threshold signatures in uh, in ECDSA, but it, there's lots of papers about it, and it's all very complicated. Um, but with Schnorr, it should be slightly easier. And by easier, I mean there's still only five pe- five people on the planet who who can understand the math, but so but they can write tools. Collaborative spent. That's what we're calling it. Right? Yeah. That can have a sort of multi-sig N of M kind of. So the easiest, I think, there's there's a proposal called uh, Music, mm-hmm. which does what it does is it create it combine it, it adds the signatures. M U S I G. Exactly. It's it combines music. it combines signatures. M U S I C. Anyways, go on. So to the outside world, it will look like a regular signature. It just looks like a regular public key and a regular signature, but really it's a combination of public keys that are then all signing, and you can add them up. And in theory, I believe you can also do threshold things with that that will still look like a single signature and a single public key, but actually it's two out of three signatures. Uh, and that stuff is um, you don't have to bake it into the protocol. So as, as long as you support Schnorr, then somebody can come up with a way to combine these signatures and to the outside world, it will just look the same. So that's not actually part of the protocol, but that math is still needs a lot of verification and people need right. to make tools around it. But Taproot enables that sort of stuff. Right. But so you what can. What I really like about mm-hmm. Taproot is um, how it makes Lightning more private, like opening yes. closing channels. All that stuff just looks like regular transactions. Yes. There's no way to tell that people are using Lightning at all, right? Correct, because Lightning again is an example of usually both parties agree and they both both sides of the channel agree in an operation and. Uh, uh, for the rest of the world, it will just look like a normal transaction. Right. But if they disagree, there's all these these additional timeout conditions. And those can be nicely hidden inside the taproot. Right. So that's very nice. And the other benefit is that if you have a payment on Lightning, it goes from hop to hop to hop. Right now, you're revealing a pre-image, uh, which is just something that you hash. And that thing is the same for every hop. So somebody who can see all the nodes can can see that one payment belongs to... Right. The or same if, or person. if you're um, like a spy on a route on different parts of the route, you can see you can sort of connect that this was the same. Yes, thing, right? and, and then there's some exploits be, based on that actually. So, so that would be harder now. That would be more difficult because you can instead of using a pre-image and a hash, you just use key essentially public keys and private keys. Mm-hmm. So you would just everything would just be points on the elliptic curve that you're adding up. So right. and then every point along the route can have a can tweak the number slightly differently. So to an outside observer that does not know the private keys, they just look like random numbers. Now they can still correlate the amounts, you know. So there's there's still some problems remaining. Sure. Uh, but it's it's again it's an increase in privacy, uh, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think what uh, one. one point I would say about Taproot is that it seems to me at least, but I'm, I'm probably going to be proven wrong on this, it seems to me like all of the things we want to do with Taproot are technically possible already, it's just right now it's much, it, it's just not very privacy friendly or it costs a lot of data. Some things are not technically possible, yeah, like because a, a 16, be I think the maximum for multisig is 15 right now, Right. so you right. can do infinitely large yeah, multisigs. Uh, either by adding these signatures, as I just described, but also just by making a very large tree, and you just put all the combinations in. Right. So you can, yeah, you, you can do, you can strictly do more. Yeah. But I would also say that, yeah, for most people, you might not notice the difference, except your privacy is just going to be slightly better. Yeah. Um, and you know, as these advanced options come along, you'll you'll just 
use them, but you won't notice them. So, so I agree. It's not as dramatic, you know. Um, Segwit, when it was launched, Segwit zero, by the way, because Segwit is versioned. Mm-hmm. Taproot is Segwit one, um, or uses Segwit one. Mm-hmm. Um, when that came along, it enabled Lightning because Lightning was an absolute pain in the ass to do without Segwit. Uh, yeah. There were all these papers with uh, trusted hardware modules and, and all sorts of weird stuff. It was really hard. And there came Segwit, and now we have Lightning. Now Taproot. Again, improves things about Lightning. There's other software proposals that can improve things about Lightning. And those improvements should not be trivialized because I think when Lightning gets, if it gets real big and is under attack all the time, some of these things that we can currently ignore can't be ignored. And then it's very nice to have a bigger toolbox that can, you know, deal with all these problems. Is Taproot technically done, ready? Do you know this? Is it, is it sort of, is it still a work in progress or is it at this point sort of... Well, if you're saying that people are discussing deployment options, then I guess it's further along. Uh, in my own work reviewing Bitcoin Core stuff, I have not yet reviewed a pull request that does any of the Taproot stuff. I know that there is one. I don't know if it's ready to review yet or whether it's still in like draft. Um, we're basically making a lot of changes to the wallet itself. We've been completely, almost completely rewriting it with a, a few, yes, with a bit, couple of people to make it much more flexible. And that flexibility is a prerequisite for being able to, to add something as like Taproot because, uh, what happened with SegWit is it was added to the blockchain, but the core wallet was not able to properly use SegWit for I think at least a year after SegWit was yeah, released, which is cool. kind of embarrassing. So hopefully this time the wallet will just be completely ready for all the magic, um, and then we just have to wait for the software to activate. Right. So so how far it is, I don't know. I have not followed all the mailing lists in detail. Yeah. I, I went to a uh, workshop in London by Optech mm-hmm. in February where we did a whole day of going through the protocol and all the, the little script things and signatures and how that all works, which was super useful. They have a Python workbook online, too. I recommend reading it if you want to learn. And they've done review clubs where lots of people looked at it. But after that, I have kind of not paid as much attention to it, um, partially because there was this little virus thing that distracted everybody, um, partially because it's it's a huge thing. So for, for my own review habits, I find it easy to review smaller things yeah. as they come in, and they haven't been coming in yet. I'm not sure how to how to handle that. And then the next question is how it's going to be activated. Yeah. We'll discuss. Maybe next maybe week. The next episode. Maybe another time. No promises. We'll see. Is this I when you do the sign off? I, th- I think this is the part where you do the sign off. This was uh, episode two of the Van Weirdem Shores NATO podcast. Thank you for listening. There you go.